You know, I just want to say congratulations to the UMHB crew uh, on their victory yesterday. Uh, a little purple in, in order to uh, go with that, but uh, over Huntington. And, uh, you know, I hope that you'll make plans tonight to come and, and eat with us at 6 p.m. Uh, if you haven't heard, we're having a thanks feast tonight at 6 p.m. And uh, you're welcome to bring, uh, uh, it's a potluck, so bring something to eat and we'll put it on the table and we'll share it and we'll uh, enjoy the fellowship together. But um, I just want to say happy Thanksgiving to you. Um, and I know that uh, God is in and through all of this. So um, this morning I want to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving reexamined. And really just looking at that, and, and uh, if you have uh, something and you want to take some notes, it'd be a good day to do that. Um, I believe that the habit of expressing thanks uh, to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is an uh, ongoing way, uh, and it's important for us to, uh, when we come to this time of year, uh, when we celebrate Thanksgiving, that we give thanks to Him. You know, when we think of Thanksgiving in our country, most of us automatically think about, you know, a, a big dinner uh, with uh, family and friends, you know, this, this Thanksgiving feast, if you will. And, and most of us recognize that this dinner actually, um, um, you know, is a celebration of another event uh, that happened in, in Plymouth, Massachusetts in 1621. And so uh, in that year, William Bradford, uh, the governor of this little colony of pilgrims, uh, arranged for a feast because after a dreadful winter and a very lean harvest in the summertime, uh, they wanted to celebrate God's grace to them. And I think this is huge because they had, as Bradford wrote this, he said, found the Lord to be with them in all their ways and to bless their outcoming, excuse me, outgoings and incomings uh, for which let his holy name have the praise forever to all prosperity. And you think about that. And, 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 and because the local Native Americans had been so gracious to them as well to provide crucial and life-saving help uh, to the colonies, the pilgrim asked, pilgrims asked them to join in with them in that feast. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that we celebrate that day. We're here today because of people that, that came and settled. And, and you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when we think about it. But it, it was never God's intention that we only give thanks on one special day a year. Rather, God's intention for us is that we have a lifestyle that is more like every area of our lives is punctuated with a thank you, Jesus. I mean, we are so blessed. We live in a great nation. We live in a great state. We live in a great part of the state. We have wonderful families. We have wonderful relationships. We have people who walk this journey with us. We are so blessed and, and our every area of our life ought to be punctuated with a thank you, Jesus. I mean, would you say that with me? Thank you, Jesus. I mean, he loves us. 
He's given us everything that we have. And the words of our passage this morning are found in a letter that the Apostle Paul actually wrote to a church that he himself established. And it was a church in the ancient port city of Thessalonica. And the response of the people in Thessalonica to the gospel that Paul preached was absolutely remarkable. They responded to the gospel that he preached. In fact, the Thessalonian believers, they gained a reputation around the world for their dramatic conversion. They went all in with the apostle Paul. And, and, and they, they were renowned for their conversion. And, you know, faith in Jesus Christ, your faith in Jesus Christ, my faith in Jesus Christ is something that involved a personal cost for the Thessalonian Christians. Think about that. They paid a personal cost for their belief in Jesus Christ. And Paul's letter to them makes some references to the things that they were suffering. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verse 14, it says, For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, for you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men. But he told them, he said, you should not be shaken by these afflictions. And I, I, I love that because in, in chapter three, verse three and four, he said this, he said, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know. He's encouraging them because their faith in Jesus Christ cost them something. And he's saying, you know what? We told you this was going to happen. Among the reasons Paul had for writing this letter to them was so that he could express his thanks. His thanks for all that God had done in them. And to encourage them to stand strong and persevere in their faith, even when it was hard to do so. You know, sometimes there's things that come up in our life and it makes, us, it, makes it hard for us to express thanks to God. But as he, he wrote these specific words about thanksgiving to encourage them to persevere in their trials with the sort of attitude of heart that brings glory to God. And this is what he said in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. He said, in everything, give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So here we find that word thanksgiving isn't just a matter of being celebrating a special day once a year, but the ongoing everyday character of our lives that is to say, thank you, Jesus. 
I mean, God commands in this verse that our relationship with him be characterized by constant thanksgiving. You know, I read a story about a a street vendor who sold bagels and, and, and he sold them for 50 cents and, and uh, on a street corner at a, at, a, at a food stand. And this jogger used to jog by every morning. And he, he, he ran past and he would throw a couple of quarters in this guy's bucket as he was jogging past. And, and, and he never took a bagel. He just, he did that, the same thing for months. And one day as the jogger was passing by, the vendor stopped him. And, and, and the jogger asked, he said, you probably want to know why I always jog right by. I put my money in, but, but I never take a bagel, don't you? And the vendor said, no. He said, I just wanted to tell you that the bagels have gone up to 60 cents. I mean, right? Isn't that the way sometimes that we treat God? I mean, you think about it, too often we treat God with that same kind of attitude. Not only are we ungrateful for what he has given us, but we want more. We're not even finished with what he's already given us, and we want more. And it's just our nature. And somehow we feel that God owes us good health, a comfortable life, Material blessings, but of course, God doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't owe us anything, but He gives us everything. But that's the kind of God that He is. See, I'd like for us to take a fresh look at what it means to be thankful. To dig into the true depths of thanksgiving and to have a full and biblical view of thanksgiving and thankfulness. Because I believe that there's there's three levels here of gratitude that I want to talk about this morning. And, And it's not until we get to this third level that our understanding of gratitude is complete. And so as we talk about these levels, I I want to ask you. I want to ask you to ask God to speak to your heart this morning. We can be some of the most ungrateful people in this world. And yet we've been given so much. Would you do that? Would you ask God to speak to your heart this morning? Loving Father, I thank you for this time and I thank you for your word. And Father, I thank you for the Lord Jesus who gave his life for us. Father, so that we could be reconciled to you, so that we could know you in a very personal way. And he died and he he gave his life on, on the cross. Father, so that we could come to you, so that we could have a relationship with you. Father, we're thankful for that. I pray, Father, that you would reveal to each of us this morning what thankfulness truly is and what it looks like. Father, I pray that you would help us 
to understand. Open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds. Help us to know you better by spending time with you this morning. Father, help us with your Holy Spirit in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this level one that I'm talking about here is gratefulness for getting what we want. I mean, think about this for just a moment. This is the easiest and most natural level of gratitude. We're, we're almost automatically happy when we get what we want. I mean, think about it. You know, you might make a wish list. You might send it out at Christmas time or on your birthday. And what happens is you get what you put on your wish list sometimes. And you know what? You're happy about that. It, it just makes you happy when you get something that you want. And we feel good. We feel the emotions. We feel the excitement. And it's great to be thankful even at this le- level. You know, just, just when, you, when you receive something that you want. I mean, to, to say thank you. To Almighty God, just say thank you for what, for receiving that. I mean, it's great, but even at this level, the Bible pushes us further to go beyond. Because listen, if we don't move beyond this level, and this is very important because it's easy for us to be thankful for what, for getting what we want. But if we don't move beyond that, then we're going to be in danger of a couple of things. And I want to share those with you. The first one is an entitlement mentality. If we get what we want constantly, pretty soon we feel like it's owed to us. It's human nature. We feel like if we get it all the time and it doesn't cost us anything, we did nothing for it and we're not thankful for it. All of a sudden what happens is we begin to think, Hey, we're entitled to this. We can just, we can just take this. And you think about that. I mean, in Genesis, we go all the way back to Genesis three and and the serpent, the serpent told the woman she wouldn't die. What did God say? God said, if you touch this tree, if you eat of the fruit of this tree, you will surely die. And the serpent told her that she wouldn't die. So she felt like God was withholding something, something good. And so she took it and ate the fruit anyway. See, you think about that. It's an entitlement mentality. Oh, he's provided all of this for us. And yet this one thing he denies from I'm entitled to that because all of this is provided for me. See, we got to be very careful because when we get what we want constantly, we get a entitlement mentality or we get a forgetful spirit. Oh, we just take, take, take. And we just, we don't even know where it's coming from. We're just, we're just taking it. And you know, in Deuteronomy 6, um, verse 10 through 12, and then again in chapter 8, It says this, it says, when God brings you into great and splendid cities that you did not build and blesses you with houses and cisterns and vineyards, then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord. 
Chapter 8 and verse 18 and following tells us that when we forget the Lord by not keeping his commandments, our heart will become proud. And we will forget the Lord who brought us out of Egypt and from our bondage and slavery. So what happens is when we receive, when we get things that we want and we're not thankful for them, we can get this entitlement mentality, but we can also get a forgetful spirit that everything that we have, everything that we receive comes from God. I, I, I can't stress that enough. So we have an entitlement mentality, a forgetful spirit, or a discontented um, heart. I think this is huge because in Proverbs 13, it says the righteous has enough to satisfy his appetite, but the stomach of the wicked is in need. Ecclesiastes 4.8 says, no end to his labor, his eyes were not satisfied. In other words, we get this discontented spirit, meaning that whatever we have is never enough. We always want more. When we forget to thank God for what he has given us, this is what happens. My definition of contentment is this, is wanting what you already have. That's contentment. Wanting what you already have. You know, a poet once wrote this. He said, as a rule, man's a fool. When it's hot, he wants it cool. And when it's cool, he wants it hot. Always wanting what is not. Folks, I think that, de that, that really defines us pretty well. I mean, we always want something else. We want something different. We want more. So the very basic level is that gratefulness is getting what we want, okay? Gratefulness for getting what we want. Level two, moving up a step here, is gratefulness for getting what we don't want, okay? We're grateful for getting what we don't want, okay? And I think this is huge because Scripture teaches us plainly in 1 Thessalonians 5, our, our, our Scripture today, in everything, in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I mean, it's not, it's not super hard to thank God for getting what we want, but how wonderful to learn to thank him for those things we had rather not experience. I mean, I think that's big. When you recognize that things could go another way, but they didn't. That God is protecting you, that God didn't give you those things, those things we don't want. You know, sometimes we get upset and we get angry because of undesirable or painful circumstances that invade our lives. And we get indignant about it. It's like, why is this happening to me? But notice that in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it teaches us four truths about thankfulness. It says, in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you. Four truths here. Truth number one. I'm just going to pull over and park here on level two for a moment. Truth number one is this, is that thankfulness is all-inclusive in everything. 
Folks, do you recognize that life is a gift from God? Your life is a gift from God. My life is a gift from God. And it's to be lived for God. Somehow we think, well, we have a gift of life, but it's for me to use however I want. But that's not why God gave you life. God gave you life so that you could live for him. Like the hymn writer Thomas Chisholm wrote, he said, living for Jesus, a life that is true, striving to please him in all that I do, yielding allegiance, glad hearted and free. This is the pathway of blessing for me. Folks, that is the truth. Submitting to the sovereign goodness of God in every situation is the key to a thankful heart. You know, it's so important because (laughs) thankfulness will become, it'll be our habit when our trust in God is our habit. See, sometimes that's not our habit, is it? Sometimes we don't trust God. Sometimes we think, well, I got this. I can do this on my own. But what we need to understand is that thankfulness to God and trust are bound up together. See, if you're trusting God, then you're thankful. If you're not thankful, then you're not trusting God. If you're grumbling, you're not trusting If you're not trusting, then you're not thankful. So listen, develop the habit of trusting God. Even in the trials, even in the tribulation, even in the horrible times, trust that God knows where you're at. Trust that he knows what is good for you. He cares more about your character than he does your comfort. And we need to understand that we need to trust him, especially in the trials. And then you will thank him both for your great salvation that you have, but also the opportunity to see him work in your time of need. God, I may not understand how this is working. I may not understand what you are up to, but I know that you are good. And I thank you for what I'm going through right now, because in that I'm going to see your provision for me. See, it's hard to give thanks for getting things that we don't want. It's hard to give thanks for tragedies. It's, it's hard to give thanks when we see the consequences of evil. But gratitude in bad situations and circumstances, it goes counter to our natural inclinations. But here we are told to give thanks under every circumstance in life. Paul would also write in Ephesians 5.20, this says, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. So truth number two here is thankfulness is a command. (laughs) He commands us, give thanks. Oh, Christians don't just give thanks because, you know, things could have been a whole lot worse or we don't have to be thankful for evil. Folks, we are 
to be thankful to God in everything, in every circumstance, not for them, in them. Give thanks in them, in those circumstances. Even bad circumstances will work out for our good. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. I mean, in everything, give thanks. We don't give thanks for everything, but in everything. And we recognize that God's sovereign hand is in charge. It's not blind fate. It's not luck. It's not chance. God is the one at work here. And even when bad things do come into our life, he can make something good come from that. In everything, give thanks. You know, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he said, when joy and prayer are married, their firstborn child is gratitude. When joy and prayer are married, their firstborn child is gratitude. But you know, Sometimes we don't feel, we don't feel like giving thanks. And the scriptural order is not first feel and then obey. It's first obey, then feel. But you see, it's a lie from Satan to say that you're a hypocrite by doing something that you don't feel. See, God knew it would be a tall order for us to give thanks in everything. That's why he gave us the command. And the commands of God are designed to help us to break through the barriers that are unnatural and harmful to us. And sometimes we don't get that. We don't understand why. Well, if I don't feel like giving thanks, how can I give thanks? Obey the command to give thanks. The feeling will follow. Folks, that's the way it is many times in our life in many situations. We're given a command to to follow and those feelings come, come after that. Moving on to truth number three. See, thankfulness is God's will for us. I mean, thanking God in everything is not just good advice. It is the will of God to thank him in circumstances that we don't like. I mean, part of pleasing God is to do his will. Not my will. Your will be done. And so we want to do his will. And when we do not thank God in everything, we move outside of the will of God. We're, we're no longer in his will that way. And so that's important that we, we recognize that thankfulness is the will of God for us. He wants a people that is thankful Thankful to him. And you think about this for truth four. Thankfulness is accomplished through our connection with Christ. I mean, Jesus truly is our source for the ability to thank God when we get the things that we don't want. You're upset about it. You're angry about it. You don't understand. You're questioning why. But Jesus Christ is the source of the ability to give him thanks in that time. Because only our union with him makes thankfulness possible. What would happen otherwise is we begin to look inside and we get bitter. 
we wonder, why is this happening to me? And when we are connected with Jesus in a vital way, the dynamic life of Jesus in us gives us the power to say thanks, to say thank you. So level one, we have the gratefulness for for getting what we want. Level two is gratefulness for getting what we don't want. And level three is this, gratefulness for not getting what we deserve. See, this level may be the most revolutionary. I mean, when you think about this, when we get to this level, there is a change in our mind that happens. In our text today, Paul tells us to give thanks in everything. And the word give thanks is, in the Greek, is one word. And it comes from the word that that means grace. And grace in the New Testament means unmerited favor or kindness, even mercy extended to the undeserving. So the idea behind giving thanks in the New Testament is extreme gratitude to God that he has given us incredible blessings that we don't deserve. I mean, if we understand that we deserve hell and hell alone, then we will be filled with gratitude for not getting what we deserve. I mean, from our salvation to our home in heaven, to the sun, the rain, the the food, our home, our car, our, our health, our appliances, our comforts, and the people in our lives. When we recognize that we're not gonna get hell because that's what we deserve, but instead we get all of these blessings from God, that should bring gratitude to the surface in our lives. You know, as chaotic as watching three grandbabies last night, uh huh, and we're adding two more tonight, evidently what I hear, when I look at those precious children, I recognize God's blessing in my life. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I am not gonna receive hell. I'm thankful that I have a home in heaven. I'm thankful for the people that he has brought into my life. And my heart over, overwhelmingly just, just overflows with thankfulness. You see, it's all God's grace to us. You didn't do anything to earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve to be treated this good, and neither do I. But God, in his mercy, in his grace, he loves us in spite of ourselves. We don't deserve any of it. Anything less than overwhelming gratitude should be unthinkable because God owes us nothing. See, the only real starting point in giving thanks to God 
is to begin by placing your trust in his son, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's God's expressed will that we give thanks to him in everything in Christ Jesus. This is a key point. Anyone who seeks to offer an expression of genuine thanks to God must offer it in Christ Jesus. I mean, I'm going to ask our worship team to, to come up as I, as I wrap this up. But I want, to, I want to read out of Hebrews chapter 13, just a couple of verses here. Verse 12 through 15, it says this. It says, therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify, set apart, the people through his own blood suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Through him then, through Jesus then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that give thanks to his name. Let me say this, to give an acceptable thanks to God, you must be in Christ. To give an acceptable thanks to God, you must be in Christ. You must be found in him. And that means you must first confess and admit to God that, that you are a sinner in need of his saving grace. And then put your trust in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for your sins. Folks, I can't make this any plainer. Expressing your trust in God in prayer and giving him thanks that he gave his son to die in your place and to pay for your sins. Then and only then will you have the greatest of all reasons to give thanks. Because you're not going to get what you deserve. See, Christ took the hell that he didn't deserve to give us the multitude of, of good and wonderful things that we don't deserve. So when we talk about thankfulness, what level have you reached in your thankfulness? Just being thankful for getting what you want? Or maybe being thankful for getting what you don't want? Or maybe that gratitude for not getting what you deserve? See, when we get to level three of gratitude, God's grace in our life will never seem less than amazing to us. And when we are able to give thanks 
in everything, we know that we've moved on to those, through those levels. And I say this morning, may God help us to experience all three of these levels of thankfulness in each one of our lives, in our families, in our homes, in our community, in our church. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, we thank you for this time.